0: You're listening to the best of Halford and Broff. You're listening to Halford and Broff.
1: Uh, we want to be a consistent team. We want to play to our staples every night, and when you do, uh, you have a chance to win hockey games. Listen, winner, like, if we win.
0: We're not going to think we're the hot shots, and if we lose, we're not. Oh my God, whatever I mean, the sky's falling.
2: They're very large men. They're, they're, uh, that was my first impression and prevailing thought was these dudes are humongous. Oh no, I got that dog in me.
1: Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Tech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. I learned this morning that this is intern Joseph's last day on the job. So hello and goodbye to you, intern Joseph. Thanks, guys. Going to miss you very much. I'm going to miss you as well. I like having a tall intern around. It's good. Mm-hmm. The tall intern program here at Sportsnet 650. Uh, you are listening to the Halford and show on Sportsnet 650. We are brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. Com.
0: We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over
1: 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. Guest list begins today at 6.30. Mike Tannier, normally our Monday morning quarterback, now our Thursday morning quarterback. Uh, from The Messenger, our NFL insider, he will join us ahead of Thursday Night Football, once again featuring the Seattle Seahawks, this time going to Dallas. <laughs> to take on the Cowboys. Vegas apparently has watched the last few Seahawks games because they go into tonight as slim nine-point underdogs Mm -hmm. to the Dallas Cowboys. To be fair, Dallas has won its last three games by at least 20. Doesn't it seem weird that the Seahawks are smaller underdogs than the Huskies against the Ducks tomorrow? It does, because the Huskies, you know, are a perfect (laughs) 12-0. In their football season, <laughs> and, this, and the Seahawks—they're they're not right. They're not undefeated, right? No, okay. they are not undefeated. I mean, so we'll be joined by a, Mike Tannier. Two losses, I think. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we'll be joined by Mike Tannier at 7 o'clock. Darren Elliott is going to join us. He is a studio analyst for Scripps Sports for of the Vegas Golden Knights, who of course are in town tonight. Seven o'clock, Rogers Arena. They're taking on the Vancouver Canucks. We'll talk to Darren, but everything that's gone on with Vegas hit a little bit of a wobble as of late have had trouble finding the back of the night. They got injuries on defense. So we'll talk to Darren Elliott about the Vegas Golden Knights at 7 o'clock. 7.30, Barclay Parnetta, Vancouver Giants general manager. And then at 8 o'clock, the Drancer, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver. And Canucks talk right here on Sportsnet 650. Speaking of Sportsnet 650, tonight, Vegas, Vancouver, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena, pregame, postgame, and the actual game, all right here on Sportsnet 650. Also... Seahawks Cowboys today. So a pretty good sports night on a Thursday night. Working in reverse on the guest list. Drancer at 8. Barclay Parnett at 7.30. Darren Elliott at 7.00. Mike Tannier at 6.30. Uh, that's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the uh,
2: We know how busy your life can be. What happened? It's-
1: is brought to you by the bc construction safety alliance making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools resources and safety training visit them on the internet at bccsa.ca the canucks returned to practice yesterday patrick alvin spoke to the media in the aftermath of the anthony beauvillier trade there were two major takeaways we will start With Alvin, and then we will get to what transpired at practice last night. But Alvin was asked a myriad of questions about the Canucks' start to the season, the Beauvilliers trade, what they might do with all that cap space. You know, they're not going to just stash it away for a rainy day. You got the cap space to spend. You got to go spend it. Um, I think there were two really interesting points with regards to the biggest, most glaring issue on the team, that, of course, being the blue line. Are you going to go out and add someone via trade, or are you just going to go out and sign Ethan Bear? And actually, Alvin spoke to Ethan Bear's situation specifically. Uh, we've got the audio here, Greg. Let's fire it up. Patrick Alvin, Canucks general manager, yesterday talking about Ethan Bear checking in with his camp and what might happen when he might join the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, spoiler: It might not be all that soon. I've been in contact with with Ethan's agent uh, since uh, last year, and we check in. Uh, frequently. Uh, Ethan is, an, is a UFA and uh, I'm sure he will reach out to us and, and other teams when he's getting closer to be ready. Do you have any idea of a timeline of when that might be? I, I don't really know. Um, I think that's something up to Ethan and, and his his agent that he's working
0: through. You know, I think you're right when you say if there's a glaring issue facing the Canucks, it's the lack of depth on the blue line and Um, there's no way the coaching staff wants to be playing four guys so much and two guys barely at all. For example, Tuesday against Anaheim, yes, they won. So that's a good thing. Yes. Then you look at the ice time. Cole McWard logs just over nine minutes and Noah Juleson barely eclipsed 13. Even if you're not all that concerned that Hughes and Hronick are playing so much, even if you think they can handle that, Maybe fatigue is an issue, but maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a concern when it comes to playing Tyler Myers. And I think Ian Cole has even shown a little sign of fatigue lately. And both those guys were over the 20 minute mark uh, against the Anaheim Ducks. So, you know, Alvin was asked outright if he needed another defenseman. And, you know, he doesn't say much, but he actually did. Admit, he said, I think we can get help on the back end, yes. So, add him to the list of general managers who are going to be looking for help on defense. Um, We all know the Toronto Maple Leafs are probably going to be looking, and frankly, both those teams might be looking at the same team, the Calgary Flames, who have a bunch of pending
1: UFA D-men, but... Are the Flames going to make any trades right now? To me, this is more about how long are they willing to go with the current situation as opposed to if they'll address it. I feel like inevitably they're going to have to address it.
0: Because well, they're going to get Susie back eventually, but not for, I don't know, a month.
1: Yeah, and I think you even need to look beyond just getting Susie back because remember, when Susie's healthy, you still don't have an ideal situation. God, we spent countless hours leading into this season talking about how it's not the ideal fit. The pieces on the blue line, collectively, you probably like them. There's good talent there, but going into the year, there was a lack of depth and the lack of balance righty-lefty, and they never really properly addressed it. Then Susie got hurt, Mm -hmm. and that's why you're seeing, it's, I mean, you're going into games now where two human beings, Cole Ward and Noah Juleson, combined aren't even playing the same amount as one. Like, we're not talking about sheltered minutes anymore. (laughs) We're talking about just barely getting by.
0: Yeah, talking at a line where he was saying, like, yeah, I talked to footy at the end of the games, and I was like, we got to get those guys out more, and we got to play these guys less. But if you're in the middle of a dogfight, right, and the Canucks have entered the third period tied a bunch of times, fortunately against the Anaheim Ducks, they came out on the right side of the game, but if you go into those games, you're you're not thinking about getting Cole McWard enough minutes. You're thinking about like we want the best guys out there so that we can. You get your phone on there, friend.
1: I'm trying to play something from Teams so that I can play for our show, but it's, oh. my phone is going. You're playing the it, You're playing on playing it right now. Very right? professional, Michael. Oh, Thank okay. you. Hey, you know what? I'm trying to do work. <laughs> I'm just trying to put in the work. I was trying to find the Alvine clip where he actually talks about adding a defenseman and then alluded to what you said, which was everyone is in the market trying to get defensemen.
0: Um, I wonder if we're going to see Matt Irwin tonight. He's a veteran guy that didn't really get much of a chance uh, at training camp or in the exhibition slate. Um the pairings yesterday, according to Brendan Bachelor, who was at practice, Hughes was with Heronick. Now, um, because they played, they had played so much. Ian Cole and Tyler Myers weren't there, so maybe we shouldn't read too much into these lines or these pairings. Mm-hmm. But Irwin and Julson were together, and then the third pair was Friedman and McWard. And I know a lot of people haven't hated what they've seen from Friedman, but I think the coaching staff has an issue with the way he. Um, not necessarily his physicality or anything like that, but he makes some mistakes
1: out there. So I was, Irwin's really, I mean, again, remember, Friedman was in the AHL before he came to the Canucks. Right. So Irwin's actually really interesting uh, brackets within the context of this conversation on his own. He's probably not that interesting, but in this conversation, he's interesting because if you want to talk about a guy that looked like he was ready made to be that seventh defenseman, it sure as hell felt like it was him. He's played nearly 500 games in the NHL. Yeah, He's been to a Stanley Cup final. I mean, we covered that Stanley Cup final. Granted, he didn't play a lot. He, but
0: he, they, he barely played. He was, <laughs> he, he was out there.
1: He was Cole Ward out there. He's like, I get nine minutes a night, but I love these nine minutes. But he played all the way to the final. And even last year, in, Wa- I mean, again, in Washington last year, he played 61 games. Now, Washington wasn't great or anything. Mm-hmm. But compared to Hirose and Friedman and Juleson and McWard, Matt Irwin is a far more veteran, far more experienced NHL defenseman. Now, it could be a case of foot speed, right? He's not exactly the most fleet of foot guy. And at 36 years old, 36 years old, right? Like,
0: you're you're saying all these things like he's played all these games, and in in
1: a way, it's like, yeah, he's been a professional hockey player for a while. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you just wonder what the catch is because on resume alone, you'd think he would have been ahead of some of these younger guys. And quite frankly, didn't get the nod. Well, we're going to find out, I think. I think it's gotten to the point where if you're playing McWard 9, Juleson 11, you don't really trust Hirose. You might as well try. McWard and Hirose, to me, they're young guys that might
0: have potential, but mm-hmm. I think they need more time in the AHL. And there's just going to be a trust factor.
1: With the coaching staff and Hiroshi got sent down. And if you're not sold on um, Friedman being the acquisition coming in, and maybe they, you know, as you mentioned, there might be just some inherent mistakes when he plays, this isn't worth, this isn't a bad shot. You may as well take a look at it. Of course... If you do it, you run into the same problem that we just talked about. It's like, well, can you throw Cole McWard into a tight game against Anaheim? Well, can you throw Matt Irwin Cold into a game against the Vegas Golden Knights, right? And that's what's on tap tonight. A Vegas team that sputtered a little bit, but still, you know, the defending Stanley Cup champions and a team that got off to a crazy start this season at 11 0 1. Liam and Calgary text in, I'm terrified of trading with
0: Calgary because I think we will get fleeced from what I heard. They don't want to trade within the the division, which would suggest that we would have to give up more. Yeah. Listen, if, if there's one thing that we've seen from this management uh, group is that they're they're not going to give up the farm for a rental or something. They're, you know, the Hironic deal, did they give up a lot? Yeah, they give up Bo Horvat, but he was on an expiring contract, and they gave up a first-round pick that they uh, – sorry, they didn't give up Horvat. They got the first-round pick in the Horvat trade, but they gave up the first-round pick that they got. But Horonic is a piece that's going to be – like the plan with Horonic is he's going to be with the Canucks for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, If they acquire a rental like Zdorov, I don't expect them to give up much. And I think the Calgary situation is really complicated for a number of reasons because I think there is that division thing where they probably don't want to strengthen the Vancouver Canucks. Mm-hmm. There's other teams, though. The Toronto Maple Leafs make way more sense to me as a trading partner for the Calgary Flames with the Calgary Flames than the Vancouver Canucks do for two reasons they're out of the division, they're out of the conference. And Brad Treliving knows all those players. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, they they have a they have a real need in Toronto just as much as there there is in Vancouver to address the blue line, if not more of a need because I think the Canucks at least have. Higher quality players like the, the, the Leafs don't have a Quinn Hughes, Morgan Riley isn't Quinn Hughes, and you know, TJ Brody isn't Philip Peronic. They need they don't even have quality at the like, like the type
1: of quality that connects to it on their top pair, yeah. And the other thing about Cal- Calgary that makes them a, a really interesting and going to be the bell of the ball for the next three months, months when it comes to making calls is. Chris Johnson of The Athletic just put out their first big trade board. I think he beat Sarah Valley to the punch by like a day. And on the big board, the top four players available for trade deadline acquisitions are all Calgary Flames. It's Noah Hanovan, Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev, Nikita Zadorov. Number five, to put it in perspective, is Sean Walker of the Philadelphia Flyers. And number six is Ilya Labushkin. So not only... I like those two players, by the way. Yeah, it's fine. But I, I think do. it's an illustrative point that not only does Calgary have all the assets, the assets tend to drop off a cliff after you go outside of Calgary. And I do wonder... And Calgary has no
0: reason to make any moves right now.
1: Not there's, right now. There's
0: no reason for them. Unless Nikita Zadorov is going to be, like, so disruptive in his trade request that he's, like, walking around, you know, like, I don't know, slapping guys in the face or that something. Would be like aggressive, that, you know. That'd be very I aggressive. They might think, get them think, fired up. I, yeah, I don't know. Like, there, there's no reason for them
1: to do anything right now unless they get something that they can't say no to. Well, well it's a time old adage in among NHL executives is if you have time, use time. Right? If you can be patient, be patient. And we've seen that, you know, in countless markets, including Vancouver. Uh, okay, I want to move to the Vegas Golden Knights real quick because they are tonight's opponent. Uh, Vegas comes in, as you may know the defending Stanley Cup champions, and then got off to a buzzsaw of a start. 11-0-1 over their first 12. They've kind of hit the skids as of late. They've lost three in a row and five of their last six. Part of the reason why, uh, Shea Theodore has gone on injured reserve. He underwent surgery for an upper body injury. Alec Martinez is day-to-day as well. So if you want to get an idea of how many other teams are being affected by injury, specifically on their blue line. Look no further than the Vegas Golden Knights, who are now playing Ben Hutton with regularity and a guy named Caden Mm Korzak. No idea who he is, but he's playing with regularity. And that just kind of illustrates an earlier point there's not just one or two teams looking for defensive help. There's a lot of teams that are struggling with blue liners because there's a shortage of guys and a lot of teams that want to be competitive.
0: So here's a here's something I didn't expect to ask um, ahead
1: of this season. Could tonight be a first-round playoff preview? That's a very good question, my friend, because if you look at the standings right now with Vegas kind of coming back to earth a little bit, their bulge, bulge, bulge atop the division is now just down to one point, right? Because LA's coming on like gangbusters mm-hmm. and they got fewer games played. If you look at a 2 3 matchup, it's sitting right there. Is
0: right? it really a bulge if there's only one point?
1: It's a small bulge, okay? They're all bulges. They all count. Doesn't matter the size of the bulge. It's a bulge. A bulge is a bulge, okay? I just need to clarify. Yeah. Uh,
0: if it is. What do we think of the Canucks chances of beating Vegas in a 7 game series? Yikes. That's a good team.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know how else to say it. I love what Vancouver's done this year
0: because if Vancouver if they make the playoffs, I don't think they're going to finish ahead of Vegas or LA. Like I just don't. You think they are going to be a 2-3? Yeah, that's well. Fair. No, 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 or or a wild card. Sure, so yeah, in yeah, that yeah. case, well, they're, they're getting, not going to be number one. They're the getting L.A. Vegas or who's first place in in is it Colorado? First place in, in Dallas. South, Dallas. So they're they're going to get you know, regardless, they're going to get a really <laughs> good team if they make the playoffs. And it's fun to talk about this sort of stuff. Like, who do you think they match up best against? Um Vegas. for Me. The Canucks have just always had problems with Vegas, like right from the very start. Right from when Vegas came into the league. I remember talking to Travis Green about Vegas and being like, man, is that the way you want the Canucks to play? And he's like, I think a lot of coaches would like their team to play like (laughs) the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh Uh, They just have a way about them. Um... There doesn't seem to be anything unless we've seen it recently, there is, doesn't seem to be anything that's gotten like stale about them. you know they, they play with such enthusiasm, they're hard to beat in Vegas, although the Canucks have been hard to beat in Vancouver this year.
1: yeah they they're, they're just a very loaded team and that's what happens when you're as hyper aggressive as they've been under Bill Foley and then uh, the management of like Kelly McCrimmon going back to George Mcphee and everything they've got I mean they tick all the boxes, right. They've got the 1C, the elite guy in Jack Eichel. Their blue line went healthy. I mean, you want to talk talk about the best one-two punches. They don't necessarily play alongside one another, but when you can roll out Petrangelo... Theodore. Like, Theodore was playing at a borderline Norris caliber level this year before he got hurt. He was mm-hmm. a point game defenseman as well, right? Petrangelo is so good. Yeah, I think he's underappreciated still. Nick Haig, Braden McNabb, they've got depth on defense. Oh, and they- size, too. Yeah. Nick Haig and Braden McNabb,
0: like you go into the corners with them, you're probably going to come out with a bruise.
1: And the big reason that they were so dominant in the playoffs last year is because they had maybe the best fourth line in all of the National Hockey League. So when it came down to, can your bottom 6 outduel our bottom six, the answer was often for Vegas. No, yours can't. We're gonna win those battles. So they are they're battle tested too now. That's the other thing. Is I mean Jack Eichel, for example, Mm -hmm. I was listening to some programming Vegas Golden Knights stuff in the offseason. They were like, there's probably not a player in the NHL right now that's more and I don't want to say like fat and happy and sassy because he's mission accomplished, but like all of the unnecessary drama and questions about him kind of got lifted off his shoulders last year. Like he got the trade that he wanted. He got to win a cup. And he played was, well. He was a huge contributing yeah. member of it. Contract settled. He's all settled in in the market. Like, now he can just go out and play and look at the numbers this year, right? I believe he's their leading scorer, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken. Or if not, he's right near the top, and he's over a point a game.
0: So when you look at Vegas's defense and you look at the size of that defense, this is why you're hearing reports that the Canucks might be interested in Zadorov. It's a model that works. Vegas, right.
1: that is. It works. Yeah. Especially in the postseason,
0: right? Like, like I I, I, th- I think everyone should be concerned um, about the f- if if we're talking about a playoff team right right you know like hopefully and then you get into the playoffs you're like oh god we're too small on the back end right like you you know Noah Juleson uh, brings some physicality but I I don't know if he's good enough to be in your in your six that's um, a key part of Carson, it, right? you can't Carson just be car- big yeah you can't well no Susan, no Juleson's pretty physical. But I just don't know if yeah, I don't know if you he's, can't he's good enough. can just be big and physical. He'd well, be able to play. Well, Tyler Myers is big, but he makes a lot of mistakes. But he can play. Um Carson Seussy can play, yep. and he's big and physical, and there's a reason why they targeted him. Um but if you're gonna bring back Ethan Bear, that doesn't make your top four very, very like at all more physical, mm-hmm. right? Um Ian Cole is physical in the, in the same way that kind of Chris Tanev is physical and that he's willing to take punishment. He's a little, he's, he can hit a little harder than Chris Tanev. But Good hitter. I think that the Canucks probably are looking around the league and they're saying, look, if you look at the teams, for the most part, that win the Stanley Cup. Um, yeah, they might have a puck mover that's like Quinn Hughes, who's not the biggest guy in the world. They might have two of those guys. But the rest of those guys, mm-hmm. they are big boys that can play the game, and they're going to punish other teams. Mm-hmm. Because remember the playoffs? It's a war of attrition. Oh, yeah. A lot of people have forgotten the playoffs. They're like, what? what's it like again? It's like guys get hurt. And the reason they get hurt is because there's big guys out there throwing their weight around, fighting for every inch on the ice. It is mean, nasty hockey.
1: And you have to be prepared for that. So as far as, and a couple of people have texted in about this already, and we've referred to them as, you know, lit. And it really is. And it's one of the more recent ones that the Canucks are going to have, because we called that one in Colorado last Wednesday on November 22nd, another measuring stick game as well. And,
0: and, and even if they didn't pass that in flying colors, I think they passed the class. In Colorado, that yeah, was yeah. a tough they, assignment. They you're, on, you're you're on the road against uh, and Colorado was um, had just come off that bad loss to Nashville,
1: so they were ready to go. I, I thought the Canucks like it wasn't a masterpiece, but I didn't think they played terribly there. So in the well, no, I think in all the sort of quote unquote big matchups that you've seen this year, and by the way, that retroactively that game against the Rangers where they lost in OT, mm-hmm. the Rangers moved to first place in the NHL last night with that win over Detroit. So that's that enough. was just a terrific game. Too. Yeah, I, and, and the Rangers are really good. The Rangers are very good. So that's another measuring stick game. So look, they hung in with New York. Personally, I thought they won that game and were screwed by the referees. Uh, A few nights later, they got the 2-0 win at home at Dallas, which might have been sort of their biggest defensive Picasso this year. That was a a great performance by the
0: Canucks. A couple great saves by Demko as well.
1: Yeah, the game in Toronto was kind of a dud, so they didn't necessarily show up for that one. But there's only been about four or five quote-unquote yardstick, measuring stick type games. Tonight is 100% one of them. And you get a Vegas team that's a little bit little bit vulnerable, but also kind of looking to right the ship. After, I think they'd be okay with what they did in Edmonton on Tuesday night. Like, they mm-hmm. got a point out of it. Yeah. At the same time, they gave up four goals. They had to rally in the third. A Ben Hutton goal sparking that comeback, too, by the way. And um, I think that, you know, where Bruce Cassidy has them, and we'll talk to Darren Elliott about this coming up at 7.30. I think that's when he's coming on the show. Yeah. Um, He's really said, like, how do we keep the momentum going? How do we keep an edge? How do we not get content with, you know, winning a Stanley Cup? And then we go into this year and we just try to get to the playoffs again.
0: So Scott texted into the Dunbar Lumber text line. And if you want to text in, it's 650-650. Scott texts in, it is just so fun to be in this position to actually think of this stuff. It's awesome. I've been waiting years for this. To have Vegas come in. A quarter of the way through the season, and go. This could be a potential playoff matchup. Yeah, I don't. When I, I, I wonder. Your... I wonder what the. I wonder what the players are thinking. Like, are they thinking that same thing? I bet they are. I bet that message is there. Mm-hmm. Like this could be. This could be a potential playoff. You know, I, I don't think Rick Tockett has been scared of using that word. He said after the loss to San Jose, playoff teams don't do this. Right. They don't t- They don't. They don't take their opponents lightly. So I don't think they're scared of using that word. Um, You know, we haven't seen the LA Kings yet, but there might be that similar attitude around a game like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But Vegas has just seemed to be like the Kings. The Kings are a good team, don't get me wrong. But I don't feel like they've inflicted the same amount of punishment on a number of the players on this Canucks team that Vegas has. Vegas has, for the most part, dominated the Canucks since their inception. You're listening to the best of Halford and Broff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Broth.
2: what we just have to call Thomas Trans erotica.
1: <laughs> Thomas Trans erotica. Of course.
0: Thomas Drant's erotica. Effective goals. Thomas Trance erotica.
1: Dog model. Thomas Trance erotica. 8.02 on a Thursday. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Thomas Trance is going to join us in a moment here to kick off hour three of our Thursday programming. Hour three. This is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We're coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. Thomas Drance, Athletic Vancouver Canucks Talk, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer?
2: Gentlemen, big game tonight. Should be fun. Let's go.
1: You're, of course, talking about the Seahawks and Cowboys, right? Yeah, that one I'm not so
2: (laughs) excited about. Um, uh, Drancer. That's a test. test I don't think there's a lot of suspense about how the Pacific Northwest team will fare. Drancer, do you think this is a potential playoff preview? No, man, definitely. I mean, it's definitely a potential playoff preview. Look, you have to give the – Vegas Golden Knights the respect of having won the Stanley Cup and being what they've been for the last five years but there's no question based on underlying form, based on how both teams have looked this season, like the Kings look like they're in a different weight class than Vegas and Vancouver and we all know what happens you can get locked into a playoff matchup pretty early in the season, like certainly by Christmas if you're one of those two, three matchup teams Uh, in the NHL's new playoff format. So, yeah, I mean, with the way that Calgary, Edmonton, Seattle have fallen so far back uh, with the fact that the Kings look materially like the best team in the Pacific. Yeah, I mean, I I absolutely think there's a chance that, you know, within the next three weeks, we're like, oh, man, Vegas, Vancouver, that's what we're looking at here. Um, So, yeah, no, for sure, that's absolutely in the cards as a possibility and, yeah, going to be interesting to see how they measure up. We we know how they've measured up in the past. I think mean, Vancouver's had success against Vegas, but it always feels like it's on a knife's edge, doesn't it? Yes. Right? Like that's, yeah. that's always been sort of the key there. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they play, given what we've seen from them this year, if they can actually control some play against a Vegas team that looks a little bit vulnerable, 5 on 5 although they have as well.
0: Why do you think uh, Vegas is stumbling? Is it down to injuries, like they're missing Theodore and Alec Martinez, or is there just something off about the roster?
2: No, uh, look, Shea Theodore's, you know, for me, a top-five defenseman in this league. Like, he plays a prescribed role uh, in Vegas. You know, the, the, the Golden Knights use him as a third-pairing defenseman or did in the playoffs last year. Um, at least at five on five. But in terms of his impact, in terms of his ability to drive, in terms of that offensive skill, especially sort of how he can attack, um, you know, uh, he, from the right side as a lefty, uh, what he can do with that shot. Obviously, we all saw it when that was the shot that effectively eliminated the Canucks. But yeah, I mean, I, I think his injury is huge, a huge part of what we're seeing. But I also think there's probably some sleeping giant syndrome, you know, like I, I didn't expect Vegas to get off to the start. They did. I, I expected Edmonton to get off to that. Start, right. right. Cause, Cause I, I sort of thought Vegas was going to be in business in the latter stages of the season and certainly going into the playoffs. Like that's just sort of what you expect when a team wins the Stanley cup and part is as hard as we saw Vegas party. Mm. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I sort of thought they'd have a slow start, but, I, you know, maybe they were business-like enough to be like, okay, let's spot ourselves a lead. <laughs> and then we'll put it in curves control for a bit. And, you know, we'll be a tough out come playoff time. Uh, yeah, I, for me, anyway, that's more likely than there being some sudden flaw in the roster construction given how consistent they've been the last five years, given the age of their best players like it's hard for me to imagine that this team's lost that many clicks off their fast over the course of a summer uh without there being an obvious reason for it. So I I I just think it's Theodore and probably pacing themselves that that you know I think we can do enough respect to assume that that's you know part of it that there's some just like gamesmanship at play here.
0: All right, your answer. I guess the big question in Vancouver is: is what are they going to do with their newfound cap space? Um, How quickly do you think they'll move on this?
2: Well, probably pretty quickly. I mean, it's a Jim Rutherford team, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I've been amused by people pointing out like four of the seven trades right in the NHL since September have been made by the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Yeah i mean that that was kind of the case last year too right the, the deals were more minor it was nika and bear and company but you know that the connects have been way more active than your average team especially in season every year um there's almost like a tradition that jim rutherford kind of starts the trade market in the nhl every year uh, and usually around this time so you know uh, i wouldn't be surprised if they make a move relatively quickly Uh, Look, I'm sure the team itself, like I'm sure management, I mean, you could hear Alvin was given copious opportunities, gratuitous opportunities to dunk, right? Or to declare him and his team, you know, a a safely uh, ensconced playoff club yesterday and and very much was reluctant to do so, right? Uh, You know, um, continually pointing out that the club hasn't accomplished anything yet. Uh, They've got to be pretty keenly aware that their last 10 games has featured what a complete performance. <laughs> Maybe we give them Montreal on the second leg of a back to back. Right. Yeah. You know, I, 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 and I'm not, I'm not being critical or negative here. I just think, you know, since they beat Edmonton on home ice, that's six, two win the, the third Edmonton victory, you know, it's been inconsistent, choppy hockey. Like there's been, that's, that's just, how they played and and now you look at the defense core they're likely to roll out tonight um you know uh, Ian Cole and Tyler Myers get a maintenance day at practice yesterday we saw Hughes and Verona get a practice or uh, a maintenance day earlier in the week uh, we're seeing Hughes and Hornick regularly play close to half an hour um Ian Cole took like three of the biggest hits I've seen all season in, in the game on Tuesday night so you know it's not just that they're experimenting on the back end to figure things out. It's that while they're experimenting on the back end to figure things out, um, they've also got, you know, Hughes and Hironic playing at a level that I'm sure they don't love big picture. They've also got, you know, the, the potential that, hey, you have one more blue line injury and you're really reeling, right? So, you know, I, I, I'd i imagine there's at least some sense of urgency to try and, get this team going again to to try and get some insurance um, to bolster that back end. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. If we see something relatively quick, mm-hmm. particularly in the event that this team doesn't get back to playing the way they did in the first 10 games. So especially that second sort of like that, that last week of October, that first week of November form uh, that this team had where, you know, even its biggest skeptics were looking at this group being like, Oh man, what's going on?
0: What do you see them willing to put on the table?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I saw Rick Dollywall reporting that uh, not a first, not going to trade their first, or, or at least not looking to trade their first. Um, you know, pretty tough, I, I suppose, to make a big impact type trade w- without sort of including that pick, given you know, there's not a lot of high-value trade assets in the prospect system, like, outside of the NHL roster, right? Um, But one thing about having cap space, 4.15 million and maybe a little bit of change from the SUSE LTI, is there aren't a lot of other teams that do, right? So that does help you in terms of creating an environment where maybe, you know, it like an Eric Brandstrom type trade, right? Where it's like a third pair defenseman in Ottawa. Maybe you think you can get more out of him, mm. uh, and he costs two million. So that team might be willing to part with that deal relatively affordably. Jacob Bryson in Buffalo would sort of match that description. You know that that peak Bachvist Bean group uh, out of Columbus, right? Like there's those that class of defenseman. And one thing I'd note is that would sort of be something of a Rutherford special, right? Like the um, in the Marcus Pedersen, Trevor Daly rehabilitation project gamble mm-hmm. on the back end. We obviously saw it with Ethan Bear. Like that's a class of trade that we used to see Rutherford's Penguins make pretty frequently. So I, I could see something like that. Where you know the asset you're sending out, hey, maybe it's the 2024 fifth round pick that you got back from a uh, conditional from um, from Chicago for Beauvillier. I, I mean, it could be something like that. Um, short of that, you know, what, what what could they pay? I mean, I, I look. I, is there a single you know one of these teams' top five prospects that you you, you know they can they can deal without sort of blowing a hole? in their system you know and i don't know so it's a it's a tough one to answer but i i do think there's an opportunity to buy affordably given how limited other teams are in terms of their cap situation and given how many of those you know two to three million dollar depth defenders that we see struggling or getting limited opportunities on other teams there are. Like Colin Miller would be another one out mm-hmm. of, out of um, New Jersey, right? Or, or Matt Greslick, right? Guys who are making like 1.8 to 3.5. And in Greslick's case, he like, just played 10 or 11 games for the Bruins all season. Colin Miller's only gotten into five, right? Like, Could those teams value the cap flexibility more than the blue line depth? And is that an option for Vancouver? Those would be the sorts of situations um, that would come to mind right off the hop.
0: I guess a big question in all this, and maybe a question for, like, if you're a Leafs fan too, is, is Calgary going to move on some of their pieces? And if they are, when would they move? Uh, are we focusing too much on Calgary and ignoring some other options out there?
2: And I don't think we're focusing too much on Calgary, given how prominent the buzz has been, given the way the Zadorov trade request occurred, like, right after a pretty high profile nationally broadcast game on Twitter, right? Um, I think that's the like there's a reason why we're f- so focused on Calgary, right? And uh, I think it was the splashy way that the availability or potential availability of some of these players came to our attention. So, I, you know, I don't think we're focused too much on them, but you know, they don't know anybody anything, right? I mean, you can request a trade, but when you're under contract and you're a professional, mm-hmm. Um, who's not going to withhold services, uh, which is basically the situation Zadorov's in. Like, you know, they're they're under no meaningful obligation to help you out at the moment, anyway. So, you know, they play better of late. They've won more games of late, but I don't. I really struggle to imagine that Calgary can string together the kind of run they need. But they're they're basically at uh, the point of being a fifty fifty coin flip playoff team already, right? I mean, you have one good week. The, the West has been kind of soft in, in that wild card range all season. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they're 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 there with the and I think so long as they're there with the puncher's chance, you know we I mean that team's does doesn't feel like that team's changed direction like four times already this season. Yes, like they were about to sign Finn, <laughs> and they didn't sign Hannafin. You know it was like it was like man. Calgary. If they don't win, all these guys are going to leave. And then it was like everyone wants to stay. And then it's like eh, Calgary's not sure they want everyone to stay. And now we're in this mode where it's like, yeah, but they're not ready to trade anyone yet because they've won for a week. I mean, that's the ultimate wild card organization right now. It feels like just because it, it, you know, feels like their plan seems to change, or at least what we publicly understand about their plan seems to change with the wind. Um, you know, on a on an almost day to day basis.
0: Um, what is Andre Kuzmenko doing out there that is so upsetting Rick Talking.
2: Yeah, look, line changes was something that he was willing to explicitly identify when when asked. Uh, that's not a surprise, right? We've been talking about that. I've been writing about that. Um, you know, I don't think he's putting his body into guys reliably enough. There was still a sequence where he was on the forecheck where he could see the reaching in his return to the lineup on Tuesday. Um, you know, when, when he's a big body guy, right? Like, he's hard to move at the net front, right? When, when, when there have been games where he'll put his body into opposing four-checkers, for example, like the Ottawa game was not a good game for the team, but I thought it was a pretty assertive physical game for him. And when he does it, he can separate, you know, puck carriers from the puck. Like, mm. he he has you know, a a pretty interesting, maybe a little high risk, but like effective way of reading as sort of an F2, F3, kind of a second layer guy on the forecheck where, you know, especially when he combines that with the willingness um, to get inside on puck carriers, like he can create turnovers and he's skilled enough to make, to do damage off of that. And, you know, there was at least one sequence against the ducks. That's just in my mind's eye where instead of, seeing him try to do that, you, you instead sort of see him reaching, right. And, um, not necessarily being very hard to get by. And there you go. The, the breakouts coming at the Canucks defenders 50 feet away and puck carrier has speed. And, yeah. you know, that's connected holistically to what Kuzmenko had done in the offensive zone. So, you know, I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I didn't see anything wrong with the line changes in his return. I did see some reaching, uh, I didn't see a big, off, uh, like, turnover at the offensive blue line. But for me, anyway, those have been sort of the three things that I've most regularly spotlighted mm-hmm. that have been most noticeable to me. Uh, and, and I certainly saw one of the three in, in his game, in his return on Tuesday. And then, you know, no offense. Like, at some point, this team, well, I thought the Pedersen line was the Vancouver's best, probably, especially in the third period. So, you know, I I, I thought he was good. Like I, I'd probably go one shade higher than fine. But you know, I can see some of the habits and I, I think you can understand Tokett's frustration, especially given that you know, the the like for me the two way game hasn't really been there this season, but I, I don't know that it was last year either. Like mm. I, I kind of just think that that line has bumped into you know, a little bit of regression. Um they're not getting bounces. And I think that we're sort of overplaying a couple storylines there in terms of Kuzmenko's struggles, maybe Pedersen fighting injury. uh, When, you know, realistically, I don't know that we could have expected that line to convert 13% of their shots, Um, you know, every time they're on the ice going forward, the way they did last season. And when you're sort of a player that, in my view anyway, benefits a lot. From, from the efforts of an elite guy you play with, right, Kuzmenko with Pedersen. It's like if Pedersen starts to sputter, I think everything looks a little quieter around Kuzmenko.
0: Well, I was just uh, – that was going to be my next question for you. How much of this Kuzmenko storyline is related to Petey's level of play right now? And what is Petey's level of play right now in your opinion?
2: Yeah, it's – I mean, it's still extraordinary. Like that's the, that's the other thing that we're, I think, missing – On this Pedersen thing is, you know, I think he's bumped into a run of games where his finishing rate or the finishing rate with him on the ice has been like mortal as opposed to Stamkos like and this is kind of been the story like we've only ever really seen Pedersen go through like, like shooting percentage hell for 40 games, but over the course of that 40 games. You know, there were people in this market calling for him to be reassigned to the American League. But that really. wasn't just
0: a shooting percentage thing, your answer?
2: It, it wasn't, but that was the biggest part of it. Like, at, at, there was injury stuff. There was definitely off-ice stuff. There was a lack of play driving. Like, it, you know, he he didn't look right. Don't get he me wrong. He didn't look right, yeah. But he also had a, you know, three and a half, four percent on a shooting clip. And... You know, I, I think some of the histrionics anyway were probably connected to that. You know what I mean? Like, when, when you're trucking along at four and a half, every mistake looks an awful lot different than it does when you're trucking along at 13%. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: now, last year, you know, and this is this is like, if you go look at who's led the NHL in on-ice shooting percentage since the start of last season, so we're talking about, like, a 105-game sample, number one, Ilya Mikheyev, number two, Andre Kuzmenko, number three, Elias Pettersson, right? It's like, that line, everything's gone in for them. Everything went in for them last year. And we know what Kuzmenko did with a historic individual on ice shooting percentage on and on. Um, You know, this year, especially the last 10 games, that's come back to earth. And it's like, it's only come back to earth for that line. Every other Canucks line is still super overheated. And so we're really focused on Patterson. And, And meanwhile, you know, if you go look at defensive impact, offensive impact, the impact of how many penalties he draws, the way that he's found... Sort of subtle ways to influence games, I mean whether it's a wrap around because a goalie is punching his <laughs> line mate or uh, or or throwing a massive hit on Kaylin Addison and drawing a penalty Matthew Kachuk yeah. style with his team trailing like you know I still think he's found a way to impact games and and overall, if you look at you know dom decisions's net rating thing or um, evolving hockey's goals above replacement metric like they'll all tell you he's a top five forward in this league, but so you know He's been incredible. He's been incredible. I just think with the fact that goalies save percentage with him on the ice looks more like, you know, an early 90s save percentage as opposed to a, or let's say a late 90s save percentage, even worse, as opposed to, you know, that 1980s 5'9 goaltender who's smoking an intermission save percentage that we're used to goalies maintaining when Pedersen's on the ice. Uh, you know, I, I think that messes with our perception. I think we've been maybe sort of overfitting some narratives onto what might just be guy has a 10-game run in which his shooting percentage is normal as opposed to massively elevated by multiple standard deviations.
0: Uh, Is there anything in your eye test, though, right now, Drancer, is there anything in your eye test, though, that gives you the he seems a little off?
2: There there was, like, a week ago, and there isn't right now. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I... I thought there was probably something to do with an injury a week ago. And then over the course of the last week, I've been watching and, you know, I think he's playing pretty well. I just don't think the finishing's there. You know, like one thing, one thing that stuck out to me, for example, is on the power play, right? It felt to me like he wasn't shooting as much. So then I went and checked the numbers. I'm like, oh, man, it doesn't feel like he's shooting as much. His shots per 60 rate last season on the power play, 12.59 per hour. His shots per 60 rate this season on the power play, 12.59 per hour, right? It's just like, at some point, your eyes lie to you, man. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a reason I pay attention to the data, and it's because sometimes everyone will start talking about a thing. Pedersen's hurt. Pedersen's hurt. Pedersen's not playing well. And then you look at the data, and you're like, man, I don't think there's a – like, there's no case for this. You know, I'm he's not shooting. His shot rate's identical. Identical, both on the power play and even strength. I
0: That's don't think it. his shot looks as good, though. He, oh, let, he it, let a wrister go a little while ago. I can't remember the game, and I was like, oh, that looked off.
2: Yeah, no, and I mean, I still think there are shots that he's passing up on the power play that he was taking earlier in the year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but I also think we're probably overrating the impact. Honestly, I do. Like, at some point, if a guy's in the lineup, if a guy's able to be in the lineup, if there's not a lot of suspense about him being in the lineup game to game, and if he's not getting practices off, and it's been weeks since he got a practice off, like, we have to judge him like he's healthy, whether or not he's fully healthy or not, because no one's fully healthy over the course of an 82 game season. And, you know, with Pedersen anyway, it just feels a lot like, well, Besser, you know, I don't know that there's the same velocity on his shot. Like, it feels like all that stuff that we've done year after year, depending on Besser's shooting percentage. um, You know, for me anyway, this, this is like gut check stuff, where I think looking at the data and understanding it actually probably helps you more, in my opinion, in terms of understanding what's going on, than sort of speculating about injury stuff. That makes sense. That's just how I view it.
1: Drantzer, good stuff today, bud. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game tonight. Should be a good one. We'll do this again next week. Cheers, boys. Bye. See you, buddy. Thomas Drantz from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
0: You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.